Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Houses of Worship. Or what we're looking at is what the Bible says about the role that houses and homes uh, played in the uh, early church, what their place was, how they were used, what, uh, what, what was God's will, and how they participated in houses. And this is a uh, unique lesson. All of them are unique, I guess. Uh, but this one's very unique. Uh, and you'll see pretty quickly why this is. Because we're going to talk about Paul's ministry that started in a synagogue and he got kicked out of the synagogue because they didn't like what he said. And so he moved into a house that was next door to the synagogue and ministered. So uh, when the Jews of Corinth rejected Paul's message uh, and Paul's ministry, it was moved to a house uh, which belonged to justice, uh, even though his house was next door to the synagogue. So Paul is preaching to the synagogue, and they reject his message. And Justice, uh, who lived next door, they moved the ministry next door. Uh, actually, it is possible that the two structures shared a common wall. Wouldn't that be ironic? Acts chapter 11, 18, verse 1 says this, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and Greeks. So every Sabbath, he, he's there in uh, Corinth, and he is just kind of hanging out. He's staying at the house of Aquila and Priscilla, and he's working with them, working with his hands, uh, making tents. And every Sabbath day, he would go to the synagogue, and he... Uh, was persuading the Jews and the Greeks, the proselytes that were a part of the synagogue. And uh, the scripture says, And when Silas and Timotheus, or Timothy, were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he took his raiment and said unto them, your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean, and from henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue, which implies that the house wasn't just next door to the synagogue, but that it apparently shared a common wall. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing and hearing believed and were baptized. 
Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set to thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now, this is amazing. This is amazing stuff. So, Paul is teaching in a public religious gathering in a facility. And it's going along okay for a while. Until God gives him a word they don't want to hear. And so they began to reject it. The Bible actually says this this way. They opposed themselves. Verse 6. And blasphemed. And so Paul says, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to have anything more to do with this gathering. So he departed. I don't know how far he went, but he entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And for a year and a half, Paul ministered from that house is the implication. He ministered to those that came and went through that house. Wow. So the message got rejected in a religious facility. And God said, I have much people in this city. And they were reached through that house. Justice's house. I wonder how many times we miss God because he closes doors for the purpose of opening other doors. And when we fight and won't let him close a door because we're going to make it happen the way we want it to happen. When we do that, we actually miss the doors he opens for us. In this, uh, time frame that I'm teaching this video. Uh, it is still March of 2020 and the coronavirus is just really shifting in the high gear. And uh, yesterday the first case was diagnosed in our county. And we have uh, one of our congregation that meets in a school. And I just learned that the schools are going to be closed down for an indefinite period of time to try to prevent the spread of the virus, which means that our church can't, our congregation that meets in that school can't meet there. Well, thankfully, this is the one of our three congregations that has been most committed to the house because they didn't have a facility. They were able to rent a school auditorium on Sunday morning, but what about the rest of the week they were ministering? Well, they had already gone to house meetings on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, because it was really expensive to rent that school, and it was so restrictive. Uh, and then they've also gone to having teaching gatherings in homes during the week. Many different, every night of the week, there's a different home teaching a different subject, and there's enough of those subjects being taught that people are getting coming together. And then also, they've already used many different types of 
uh, streaming and electronic recording and all of that to be able to uh, to continue ministry. So the only thing that has to change for them in this setting. Now, they weren't kicked out of a building because of the doctrine, but the government has shut it down because of health concerns, and here they are. They're going to have to go to this house. I wonder, by the time all of this lifts and shifts, I wonder what kind of growth they're going to experience. I wonder. Because this is what God is trying to do. Rather than no place in this world did he tell sinners to come to a church building to be saved. He told the church to come together. But he never commanded that church that sinners would come to church to be saved. And again, 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 I'm not saying that we're doing something wrong if we have services where sinners come and we preach to them and pray for them. The wrong is if that's the extent of our efforts. If that's all we're doing, we're so far outside of the book, it's ridiculous. If that's our only focus of reaching the loss, we are so far from being apostolic. It is not even, it's not funny. It's terrible. It's tragic. We're that far from being apostolic. So we have facilities, okay? We have gatherings. We have church services, and we invite people at times to come to these services. And people get saved, get baptized, get the Holy Ghost in our building. That's not a problem as long as it is not the only thing we do. As long as it's not the only thing we do. Amen. As long as it's not the only thing we do. So my... My question to you, my concern is how much are we limiting God by trying to force him and all of his work inside our buildings? And I am thankful that over the last several, last couple of decades at least, more and more churches are, are opening their concept to ministering outside of their facility. I'm thankful for that, but it's not near enough, and it's still way too restrictive. So let's go back and talk about Paul again. Sorry. Uh, as Paul, as was Paul's normal practice, whenever he went to a new city, he went to the Jews first in that city and ministered to them first. That was his practice. He always started his ministry in a city in the synagogue of that city. Always. But, as was also normally the case, most of them would reject that. And while he was ministering to the Jews in the synagogue, he would also be ministering to the Gentiles. And God was frequently opening doors to the Gentiles. Now, the amazing thing of this scripture Maybe even more amazing than the fact that Paul washed his hands of the synagogue and went next door to the house next door and ministered from there is that verse 8 says, And Crispus 
the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So <laughs> get that. Let's, let's, let's think about this a little minute now, okay? Crispus was the ruler of the synagogue where the people rose up against Paul and his message. And Paul, uh, uh, what, did he, what does the scripture say here? He, uh, he shook his raiment like he was shaking the dust off and said unto them, Your blood be upon your heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go to the Gentiles. And yet he went next door to this man's house and preached there. And a lot of people got saved, apparently, but not just Gentiles. The ruler of the synagogue went next door to the synagogue to hear Paul preach and got saved and his house. That's quite amazing. That's just amazing. It's amazing. That that's the case. It's amazing. So my point to you would be this. Uh, what is it that God is trying to do with us? When, when, when Paul would go someplace, he would start with, a lot of times people start with backsliders, trying to gather up backsliders. Well, that's, good, but what happens when they don't hear you? What happens when the religious won't hear you? Well, you go to the sinners, and that might be right, right next door. You may convert the bar next door to the church building <laughs> into a place to preach. You may be at somebody's house right next door to the group of people that rejected you. But God said to Paul, there's a lot of people in this city. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. And he stayed there a year and a half. And the implication is he continued to live with Aquila and Priscilla and work with them with his hands, making tents. But at the same time, he continued to preach. So like Paul, sometimes they receive our ministry, sometimes they don't. In the Corinthian scenario, an unusual thing occurred. I'm reading now, when, Paul, when certain Jews rose up against Paul's teaching, he relocated his ministry next door into the house of justice. Freed from the pressure of the entire synagogue, the chief ruler of the synagogue believed in all his house. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? I wonder how many people we could reach in a house that we'll never reach in a church building. I wonder how many. I wonder how many preachers that we can reach in a house or in their house that we couldn't get to come to our church for them to be preached to. I wonder how many. I wonder how many whole congregations of people out there could be saved if we could just reach a few of their people in their house and go from there. I wonder how many that would be the case of. I wonder. The Lord is doing something in the earth right now. Literally, something is, we've got a pandemic going on, they say. Oh, in Jesus' name, if we could just hear the voice of God and see with our eyes that God is not the one doing this, but he's the one allowing this for his purposes. What is going to be our response? What is our response? By the time you watch this video, it may be all over with, but there's more coming. 
Matthew chapter 24, 7 says, Jesus said, they asked, when, when is this going to be? And he said, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. <clears throat> he said, but this is just the beginning of sorrows. The word there, sorrow in the Greek is labor pains. And we all know about labor pains. If you've ever had a baby or you've been married to a woman and had a baby, they start out with pains that they're not so bad and they're not very frequent. And then as you get closer to the birth, they get more frequent and they get more intense until they're right hardly on top of each other. And then comes a baby. Well, hear me right now. Those beginnings of sorrow started over a hundred years ago, especially with the first world war. And the world has been at war somehow, some way, essentially every day in the last hundred plus years. Famines, pestilences, hordes of locusts. It's happening again. Whole fields being wiped out by locusts. Pandemics. Earthquakes. How many earthquakes we've been having? What are we going to do when our nice little religious approach not only can't function, it can't won't function anymore, it can't function anymore? What are we going to do? What's going to be the purpose? How are we going to minister? How are we going to reach the lost? How? How are we going to do that? In Jesus' name, I pray for you and me. I know this is a shorter lesson, but I'm not going to drag it out. I believe in letting the Holy Ghost flow, and when he's through, he's through. And I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for me, and I'm praying for the church of the living God in the earth that we will find, know, and do the will of God, that our commitment to the word of God and our and our allegiance to the word of God and our submission to the word of God would reach proportions and degrees like it never has before. Even if that washes away everything we've done and everything we've ever thought of doing, every, all of our practices, if it washes it all away and lets us start over from scratch if necessary, so we can be truly apostolic. This isn't about preserving us and our religious concepts. This is about a world full of people that are going to go to hell forever. Forever. And I've said this many times, but not in this series. And I'm going to say it right here, right now. There are people that don't know God at all that say, well, a good God wouldn't let all this happen. Are you kidding me? A God that knows how long eternity is forever. A God that knows how horrible hell is. So bad it wasn't prepared for humans. It was prepared for spirit beings. Hell is so bad it's considered eternal torment and punishment for angelic spirit beings. I don't mean angels, but spirits that were angels. It's so bad. It's going to be beyond comprehension for humans. 
and there's no way out when you go there. A God that knows all of that, <coughs> he's not going to, he's going to sit back and do nothing and let us just rock along in our complacency and let the world go to hell. We don't know God at all. We don't know him at all. If we think that's what a good God does, leaves us alone. It doesn't touch our comfort and our convenience. It just lets us continue as things always have been. Well, let me tell you something right now. The Bible says about those in Second Peter chapter 3 that say all things have continued as they were since the fathers fell asleep. The Bible calls them mockers and scoffers because that's what we want. That's what flesh wants. Flesh wants it all to continue like it always has been. Not going to happen. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. So, I pray for you. I pray for me. I pray for the church of the living God again. That God will get our attention and we will let him get our attention. And we will listen and we will respond and do the will of God. God bless you. Thank you for watching this. I pray that by the grace and mercy and love of God, you and I will find a way to please God. In Jesus' name, amen.